from generation to generation. Made authentically, sorry. <laughs> Have you ever tried fish sauce, Navia? The tapioca balls and silken tofu with brown sugar. But we use like bread or naan to dip within the curry. And it's, it's very crispy. It's hot, it's savory. And I remember it being so good. And I think everyone should at least try it. Welcome to the Peace Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm the editorial lead for the Peace Project. I've been with the team for a couple of years now, and I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm Vietnamese. Uh, my name is Nabiha. I'm the editorial co-lead for the Peace Project. I've been on the team since 2020. I'm from Canada, specifically um, from a town called London, Ontario, and my family background is from India and Pakistan. Hi everyone, I'm Janine. I'm an editor and I've been on the team since last year, so since 2020. And I'm from California and my uh, my family's from the Philippines. If you can't tell, this is the editorial team. We are the heart of Pieces editing team. We do a bunch of copy editing and behind the scenes work. So this is kind of the first time we've been out in the spotlight. Janine and I are both from Southern California. And if you don't know anything about Southern California, one important part about it is that it has a lot of freaking Asians. Okay, so I'm Vietnamese, Janine's Filipino, um, and we don't live too far from each other, right, Janine? Yeah, so I wanted to like add on to that. So I'm not actually from Southern California. My hometown is in like Central California, and then I moved to SoCal for college. Oh. And then now, yeah, currently right now, I'm not living in my hometown, but I'm in like Northern California. So I've been kind of like living everywhere recently. I know at least, I don't know how many Asian people there are in NorCal or Central California, but I know at least where I live, there's a really big Vietnamese population. And um, I'm really close to Orange County too, which is just about North of an hour where I live. And it's like known as the little Saigon of Southern California. Yeah. So I've actually been really lucky that I've always been surrounded by people of my ethnicity and it's never been hard to access Asian markets or Vietnamese restaurants. Yeah. So as for central like California, there's not a lot of like Asians. I think now the Asian population there is growing, but most of the time, you know, I the only Asian food I would eat is my mom's food because there weren't any like Filipino restaurants or like a lot of Asian markets. I think even now there's only like like one or two Asian markets that I go to when I'm over there. And then for NorCal, I know there's also a lot of um, like the Asian community is pretty big there too. I feel like NorCal and SoCal have a lot of like like diversity. So there's a lot of like different types of Asian food as well. Like there's Filipino food, there's like Vietnamese food. There's also like Korean food, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, same, same. I've actually grown up, there's like, I can think of like 10 different ramen shops in a yeah. 10 mile radius from where I live, yeah. which is awesome because I love ramen. Actually, I love all Asian noodles of all types. I mean, I think the most standard one for Vietnamese is pho, but mm-hmm. Vietnam has so many different types of noodle dishes, um, which I can talk about later. But how about you, Nabiha? What's um what's the Asian cultural situation where you live? 
Um, so when I was little, I actually grew up on the Canadian West Coast in Vancouver, um, which is one of Canada's biggest city, um, biggest cities, um, in which there was actually a pretty big um, Asian population. I remember um, where I went to elementary school, there were like lots of um, there was like a Korean church down the street and then there was like a mosque by my house. So the religious community was pretty big and I did um, grow up eating my cultural food without any shame. Um, and because like there was like a community there to sort of support us and there was like no shame um, in embracing your culture um, as a child. Um, but when I moved to like the middle of Ontario, southwestern Ontario, um, when I was 12 years old. Um, the town that I live in now is like one of Canada's smallest municipalities. Um, so the community here isn't that big. Um, there aren't like a lot of Asian uh, shops within my vicinity. Um, so my family usually has to go to uh, like Toronto to eat, which is two hours away, in which there is a pretty big Asian community. Um, but where I currently live, I'm not really able to um, sort of interact with my culture as like one would in Southern California. I I remember I went to Vancouver once with my family, and I just remember there being a really robust Chinatown, but I don't remember seeing many other Asians in that area. Um, you mentioned you're Indian and Pakistani, right? Right, yeah. So is there, like, were you equally connected to both cultures and cuisines, or was it one more than the other? Um, well, there are a lot of restaurants, I don't know if you've noticed or not, that say say that they serve both Indian and Pakistani food. They're both an Indian and Pakistani restaurant. And that's mainly because of how India was basically... Um, India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh were all considered India at one point, but then after the partition, they sort of separated. Um, so as a result of that, the cultures and the foods clash a lot together. There are almost like no differences besides in the fact that some Indian dishes um, are, uh, reflect Hinduism and therefore they don't have meat in it and it isn't really reflected in Pakistan's culture. But other than that, they pretty much meet all the time. Like for example, samosas are something that is eaten both in Indian culture, Pakistani culture and Bangladeshi culture. So I never felt, really felt like that divide. Wow, that is so interesting. You know, I like assume that the Indian subcontinent has a really, really rich complex history, but I've actually never like taken the time to study it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what are some other dishes that you really enjoy from Indian Pakistani culture? Um, well, one that I really enjoy is, uh, and that I've enjoyed growing up is biryani. And it's basically like um, meat and rice mixed together with lots of uh, flavors and lots of spices, especially um, like paprika um, and cardamom and cinnamon, um, all mixed into one big dish. And also there's lots of like lemon slices and lemon zest in it. That's one that I really enjoyed growing up, um, mainly because it would only be like made on special occasions or celebrations, um, because otherwise my parents were always busy. So we would eat like really um, like standard dishes, so like lentils with flatbread. Um, and so the biryani really holds like a special place in my heart because um, it was only made when like during family celebrations. So it would connect us and it re reflects like 
togetherness in from my perspective and experiences. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think I've I've had it once, but I don't think it was like the most authentic. So I would actually want to go and see what, you know, what the actual like how it actually tastes like being made from like an authentic like 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 made authentically. Sorry. <laughs> Right. Yeah, biryani is actually it's pretty common within our culture. Um, represent like col- Indian culture represented within media usually like Western media usually shows like your standard chicken tikka. Um, but biryani is like it's really complex because how you make biryani really depends on like which regions you're from, uh, your country, um, how your family sort of like um or your family or your clan sort of modified that recipe to fit um, your uh, family and your relatives and how that re- de- uh, recipe, same recipe has been passed down from generation to generation. Um, so there have obviously been like modifications made. Um, but yeah, it's actually really more complex than it may perhaps been, be shown in Western media or culture. And I would definitely recommend going to like a restaurant and actually um, having the experience. So even though, as you like explain, like the food is kind of like, there's no divide between like Pakistani and like Indian food, I guess, like you were explaining how it's kind of like similar. It's cool that you still have these like different modifications based on like the different regions. So it's, I have, okay, I have a question, Adia. So since you said that, what, I guess, from like where your family's from in the region, how would you make your biryani compared to, um, you know, like others? Personally, I don't like know how to make biryani. That's like all my mom. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know that my family utilizes like uh, one of like the main ingredients and the main flavors that you can taste um, in the biryani that my family makes is lemon. Um, and like le- a little bit less spices than other ones, but there's definitely like a lot of lemon and lemon zest in it when it comes to making biryani in my family. I love the use of lemons in dishes. Actually, um, like one of the, like, I guess. Okay, so my mom is from the central region of Vietnam and something like, so an ingredient that she's always loved to use in her cooking is lemongrass. I actually don't know if that's in any way related to lemon, like the fruit, but it smells amazing. <laughs> it smells, I mean, it shares the same name kind of. So um, one dish that my mom likes to use lemongrass in is bung bao hue, which is literally like beef noodles from Hue, which is her, um, her childhood region. And it's this like spicy, salty noodle soup that's totally different from pho, which is, you know, the typical Vietnamese soup dish um and it has like meatballs like crab meatballs and and like jelly jellified pork blood and I know that sounds really gross but it's actually it's surprisingly delicate (laughs) but uh yeah that just reminded me of my mom's soup and I wish I knew how to cook it but I don't actually cook Vietnamese food either how about you Janine so when you brought up lemongrass so we and like um Filipino dishes I think we also use a lot of like lemongrass too so when you bought it made me think of um chicken tenola which is kind of like it's a soup and it's a really good I would say like comfort food because 
um, my mom would make it when I would be sick. And it's just like, I guess it's like the Filipino version of chicken noodle soup, basically. So chicken tuna is basically made out of like lemongrass, ginger, garlic. Um, so, you know, like, like from those, I guess, like, like the ginger and garlic and lemongrass, when you cook it, it smells really, really fragrant. And so I like, I always knew when my mom would make that. And I think you can also put, they make it with like fish sauce. And then this one, a Filipino vegetable, I don't know what it's called in English, but it's in Tagalog, it's sayote. And it, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the taste, but it's really good. Wait, oh, when you said fish sauce, I immediately thought of Vietnamese food too. I think yeah. it's really cool. Um, Southeast Asia definitely has its distinct palate because um, Vietnamese food uses a lot of fish sauce too. That's what I noticed too, because whenever our standard like dipping sauce in Filipino dishes is like vinegar and fish sauce or patis in Tagalog. And I feel like a lot of Vietnamese dishes also use those too. Yeah, for sure. I actually didn't know that any other Asian countries use fish sauce because I know, um, I think generally East Asian cultures or cuisine does not. So I kind of had a little cheer, like a cheer mm -hmm. when I heard that you use fish sauce too. Have you ever tried fish sauce, Nabiha? I know it doesn't sound really appetizing and it doesn't really smell appetizing either, but it's, it's really good. I have actually not, but now that you've like sort of brought this to my attention, I'd love to uh, try it. Um, the Some of the Asian dishes that I've sort of been exposed to have been like your standard East Asian and South Asian dishes. I've never actually had like the chance to delve into Southeast Asian dishes. So on that topic, like exposure to East Asian food and South Asian food versus like Southeast Asian food. Like I thought about this a lot, especially with like boba like because we all know like boba is becoming like really popular and like it's kind of becoming mainstream right and so when I thought of boba because it has like the tapioca balls it reminded me of this one Filipino it's not like a dessert it's kind of like a snack and it's called taho and so that's what I grew up with and that also is kind of like it also has like the tapioca balls and silken tofu with brown sugar so I, so ever since, you know, boba became mainstream, I mean, I love boba, but I wish more people would also try, you know, different food from different like cultures. Like I wish people would try like to hope more and see how that tastes like. It's so funny. I think boba now, at least in our generation, is used as like a cultural symbol for all of Asia when it's very much kind of just East Asia. Although that doesn't mean it like, only East Asians drink it. Um, everybody I know drink it. It's more like tea, like way back in, <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. But like, you know how tea used to be a, a very much just an Asian thing and then it kind of spread all over the world. That's what's happening with boba, which is also tea, but it's like a dessert variation of tea. Um, anyway, I'm looking at a picture of Taho right now, Janine, and it reminds me a lot of um, Vietnamese jie, which is, like, have you had that? Yeah, I've had it. It's similar. It's really, I think it's really, really similar to halo halo because it has like the red beans and the ube or like taro, right? Yeah. So actually, yeah. jie is kind of like this big category. It's like 
how soup is a category or or new rice dishes is a category. It's just a big umbrella term for all Vietnamese kind of dessert cocktails. I don't even know what it is. It's like it's some of them are like pudding type. Some of them are just like steamed bananas with coconut uh, cream dressed over in it. But um, yeah, I think my yeah. favorite type of jia is um, it's called jia chui, which is kind of like they're like my mom calls them Thai bananas, but they're really small, short. These bananas are like maybe four or five inches long at most. They don't curve at all. They're very like short and round and fat. They're almost like a cylinder and they're extremely sweet. So when you steam it, you just steam it until it gets super soft and you dress it with this coconut cream and little little dessert, I think maybe tapioca balls, but something like that. And it's just really good together because it's just banana and coconut and it's very light and sweet. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. I would love to try more variety because I think near where I live, there's this chair place and they ha- that's when I first like um, tried it and it was like really good. I think I had one that had like red bean and taro with like coconut mm. milk, but I would mm. love to like try more variety because it sounds so good. I'd also like to like the way you've described it, I'd also like to um, be able to try that. And I'd also like to um, like diversify my own taste within food because I know where I where where I live, um, there are a lot of boba places because of like that um, bringing like br- that bringing of boba into like mainstream. Um, but there aren't a lot of diversity in restaurants. It's mostly just dominated by like East Asian and some South Asian cuisines. It's actually a, it's kind of a shame. I really, I actually have never tried South Asian and that means like Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi. Uh, I've never had any of those types of foods. To try some more too. Definitely um, try some. My recommendations are, well, first of all, there's biryani. And then you should definitely, South Asian dishes are well known for their curries. Um, so you should definitely try a curry and we usually eat it with um, naan. Um, and the curries, they're essentially, they're just like spices within the curry. And then there are usually like chicken legs or um, pieces of meat um, within it. Um, but I haven't really like noticed within other Asian cultures. Maybe it's because I haven't been exposed to them. But I don't know if you guys use this or not but we use like bread to or naan to dip within the curry and that's how we finish the dish so like we don't use any utensils or anything um like that um so yeah that would definitely be my uh recommendation if you want to try more south asian dishes it's like a starch right is it like a bread almost like a tortilla right like a thick tortilla almost Mm. and uh, usually fried in like ghee or oil or not fried, like toasted within ghee or oil. Me and my family have family friends who are Indian. And so I think when we went over to their house one time, I think they cooked or they actually baked or made naan. So it was like super fresh. And I remember it being so good. And I think they also like fed us curry. So that was like one of the only times I've eaten like the like freshly made curry and naan. And it was so amazing. Oh my gosh. I wish I could have it again. Oh, I'm so jealous. I've never yeah. had Indian curry. Um, 
are how many different types of curry are there? Because I'm assuming it's kind of like Vietnamese dao, where it's just like one big umbrella term category for a type of food. Definitely like that because there's curry, but then there are like different types of curry. So it depends on like what type of meat you want, what spices you want to put in, and then based on that, um, you get different dishes. What's your favorite type of curry? Um, my favorite one is called gorma. There are two spellings, um, but uh, it's basically um, uh, just um, like uh, your curry. And then within the curry, you have um, legs of chicken within it or chick- like chicken legs in it. And that's my favorite type. And that's the one that my mom actually makes often. So I get to eat it a lot, luckily. And to end this podcast, we would like to share with you our favorite cultural dishes, or at least something that you should definitely try if you could only try one. Okay, I'll go first. So from Vietnamese cuisine, I suggest ban seo, which is like this crepe pancake. It's yellow. It's, it's made with this uh, flour, really thin fried flour and with turmeric. So it's like bright yellow. And inside are stuffings like bean sprouts, um, shrimp, pork, and then you dip it in fish sauce and you have scallions with it and sometimes eat it with lettuce. And it's it's very crispy. It's hot, it's savory. And it's I think it's really, it's one of the more uh, palatable dishes for Americans just because we're so used to savory fried food, but it really is delicious. So my uh, main dish recommendation um, would be gorma. Um, and it's basically, as I described before, it's usually like a curry or like a gravy that's made of like onions, spices, nuts, yogurts. Um, and it's, uh, it all covers like, um, chicken legs set within a dish. Um, and you usually eat it with, um, like flatbread, like naan or roti, or even uh, some people even, uh, eat it with a parata, which is essentially just a roti covered with ghee or oil, and it's just um, it will heat it up like that. Um, and that's one dish that I also like grew up loving, and that my mother also makes often. So that I would definitely recommend that to anyone. So this dish, I I've heard that I don't know if it's becoming like popular now because I feel like when people think of Filipino food, they think of like pancit which is like the noodles they think of lumpia like which is the egg rolls so this dish that I'm going to recommend it's called sinigang it's um kind of like a soup stew and it's so you have to eat it with white rice like it it like pairs so well but basically this is kind of like a uh, like a sweet and sour soup and it's basically made with tamarinds which is kind of like a fruit which is what I think gives it like that distinct taste. And you can use beef and there's radish, there's green beans and there's um, okra. Like I'm sure there are different variations, but this, I think this dish is like really interesting and I think everyone should at least try it. 